God, I thank you for your son Jesus who paid the penalty for my sin so that I might be able to rejoice on that day. When I take my last breath, when I look into your eyes, God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. God, for that reassurance that I have that on that day it will not be a day filled with fear, but a day filled with rejoicing. God, a day filled with relief from being set free from sin finally and forever. God, that it no longer has control, it no longer has any power. Lord, that day when we are completely shed of this flesh, God, I thank you for that. So Lord Jesus, now as we look into your word, I pray that you would change somebody's life. I pray that you would open their eyes and open their hearts to God, what you're trying to say to them. You pursue us, and in today's message is all about your pursuit of us. So I pray now as we look at your word, that people would feel your pursuit. God, they would feel you chasing them down and looking for them and searching desperately for them. God, because they're lost. And for those that are Christians, those that are Christ followers, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would recognize, God, that they still have value, even things that they've done to to break your heart and to be against you, Lord Jesus, that you still see value in us and you can still use us. Lord, I pray for today's message. God, I pray that it go according to your will. God, that I say nothing that is outside of your will. God, we do so desperately love you and we want to hear from you now. So, Lord, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right. So, we've been in a series called Lost Here Lately and... uh, it was actually two weeks ago was when we started the series. We took a break from that a little bit and talked about baptisms last week because we had like nine baptisms all in one day. So we kind of did a whole thing around baptism and talked about what it meant. But we're going back to our series called Lost, and I, I couldn't help but to think about the time when I lost something. Um, it was on a trip. We took a trip up to Montana because I had to go there for work, and what we said was we'll go there and we'll... Um, We'll hang out in Yellowstone. We'll go through Yellowstone on our way uh, to Montana. So, so my, uh, my wife and I, and we took, at the time, it was our oldest daughter who was about two or three years old at the time. Uh, we decided that we would go to Yellowstone, and it was going to be a great trip, and it was going to be wonderful, and it kind of didn't start out that way, because what had happened is we got to like Denver, Colorado, and uh, the plane was delayed. There was a problem. I don't know if there was a problem with the plane. I can't remember if it was weather or what it was, but we got to Denver. We couldn't get on to our destination. We were supposed to get on to our destination, and we were supposed to drive through Yellowstone. Well, the plane didn't happen for whatever reason. It didn't happen. And I said, well, since you've caused me to be a delay, delayed a day in my trip, what I would like for you to do is fly me to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's the closest we can get to Yellowstone. Uh, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I don't know if you know this, but the landing strip is about as big as this stage right here. That's about how big it is. It's set on top of a plateau that's 40,000 feet in the air. You fly into it on a stick of gum with a propeller. And I mean, th- that's what it's like trying to get into Jackson Hole, Wyoming. But I-, I said to the lady at the counter, I said, yes, I want you to take me there. But I, I need you to guarantee me that you're going to have our bags there in Jackson Hole when we get there, right? Like, like you'll be able to do your little computer thing and type some special magic stuff. And my bags, instead of going where they were supposed to go, they're now going to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. All of the gate agents, they're always so helpful and so reassuring. Absolutely, sir. Your bags, there will be no problem. They will get to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You don't even need to give that a second thought. Thank you for that. That is very reassuring. I appreciate that. So we land on our, our stick of gum in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
I get off the, go down, because there's, it's such a small plane that you just walk down some steps, you know. We could have just hopped down off the plane, actually, because it's so small. But anyway, so we get out, and we're on the runway. Now they're looking, and there's lots of bags over there. Like, man, that's good. There, there are bags here. Bad news is none of them looks like my bags, you know. So we lost our luggage. In the middle of the Denver airport, my two-year-old, who, who never, her feet never touched the ground anyway, lost a shoe. So we had to... Um, we had to find some shoes for her. So the only place that carries kids' shoes in Jackson Hole, Wyoming is a Baby Gap. And Baby Gap shoes for two-year-olds in Jackson Hole, Wyoming run about $4,000. So that's a bargain. So we get some shoes, even though my daughter's feet never touch the ground. We get some shoes. Uh, we go through Yellowstone, have a great time. And, and I called the airline and said, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but my bags didn't make it to Jackson Hole. Uh, they are somewhere else. And they say, oh, good news. We, we know where they are. I said, that's great news, man. I love good news. They said, we'll have them to you in about two days. Fantastic news. That is great. Because we don't have much but like a few diapers in the diaper bag. And, uh, you know, we don't have any changes of clothes or anything. So... So we finally, we go through Yellowstone, we get up to a day's end in Montana somewhere, Butte, Montana, Bozeman, Montana, I don't remember where it was, and, and uh, my wife says, well, we need to wash these stinky clothes that we've been in. Yes, good plan. I like that plan. That's a good plan. We'll just wash the clothes that we got. We won't buy new clothes, because the baby gap probably doesn't have any clothes for us, but anyway, so we'll, we'll wash these clothes, and then we'll, we'll have these clothes clean. I said, well, well, I got a question. There's a gap here because what am I supposed to wear between the time that I'm washing those clothes and going back and forth to the room while the clothes are being washed? You see those stack of white towels over there in the corner? That was my game plan. So my apologies to the people that days in in Bozeman, Montana for wandering through their hotel room with just wearing a white towel while I wash my clothes. I'm confessing sin to you right now. That's what's happening. So my apologies to, maybe they're listening on the podcast. They're like, that was the dude in the towel. I was wondering why he had that towel on walking around the hallways. It wasn't very far from our room to the laundry, just saying. So it was just a little sin. So anyway, so I, I washed our clothes. We had a great time. The bag still arrived like a month later. It was phenomenal. It was great. I, we had a a great time, but I don't know if you've ever lost your bags or lost something that you really, really needed, but it's tough when you're traveling somewhere and don't have your bags, so I've got a funny video I want to show you just because it's funny, and I like showing funny videos. I know it's church, but we can laugh, so we're going to uh, because we want people that don't really like to come to church to come in here so they can enjoy themselves and learn something about God, so that's the reason we do stuff like this. In case you're wondering why we play like comedians on the screen, we do that because it's fun. So we can laugh in here. We can have a good time. But let's do that now. Let's roll the video. Hello. 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 Thank you. Uh, stop clapping. Calm down. Everybody calm down because uh, uh, I'm not particularly happy to be here. Uh, I have to say, I'm going to come across, for the next few minutes, I'm going to come across as a bit of a whinging pom. I would love not to, but I can't help it. I can't get the hang of your Australian sense of humour. Uh, it's freaking me out a, li a little bit, because I was, I mean, you must understand, I was looking forward to this trip. I was excited. I was coming over from Wales, I, I bought new clothes, a new outfit, new shorts, t-shirt. Sunglasses, I had to go to bloody France for those. <laughs> I was excited, I bought myself a suitcase, a nice new, a posh 
suitcase with wheels. I'd always had a backpack. This was a first time for me. And then, then I flew to Australia. Yes. This is what arrived. Exactly. I knew you'd laugh. You see, this, this is not funny. Oh, you're hilarious. Oh, look, look where some hilarious Australian baggage handlers put a sticker on there. Bend your knees. Heavy. Very funny, my thought. 22 kilos of stuff I lost, apparently, according to that sticker. Listen, it's not for... This, oh, listen, I'll admit, I'll admit, if I'm completely honest, the first three times this went round the baggage carousel, I laughed as well. <laughs> the first three times I laughed, right, everybody was laughing, the whole airport, fair enough, everybody were... And, and then everybody asked, they went home. <laughs> it was just me and this. I thought I'd know what to do. I, I thought, I'll sort this out. I'll sort this out. I'll take this over to the desk, I thought. I didn't hear, there's an Australian, typical Australian girl on the desk. She says, what seems to be the problem? I said, mainly it's about my luggage. She said, is that not it? I said, this is some of it. Hey, don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled to get this back. The thing is, I'm here for two months. I'm pretty sure I packed more than this. This is what you like, you find this kind of thing for... And then she starts asking me those questions. You get these questions everywhere. I know. There was no need for it. No need... She said, could anybody have interfered with it? I said, we probably shouldn't rule that out. She said, well, have you left it unattended at any point? I said, I suppose I must have most observant person in the world, but if this had happened while I was wheeling it through the airport, I think I'd have noticed. Surely it would have got very light very quickly. She said, did you pack it yourself? I said, why? What are you suggesting? Somebody else packed for me and thought this is all I'd need. do a report. I thought, good, good, let's do a bloody report. Let's do it. Good, I thought. It was all going quite well until question three. I said, does your luggage have any distinguishing features, Mr. Gilbert? I said, it's got a long black handle, if that's any use. She wrote that down. I love you all, really. Thank you very much. Good night. I like funny videos. Sorry. You've got to watch that just because I like it. We've been in this series called Lost, and uh, we, we, we talked last week about a lost sheep, and Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. That's what we have to remember in these, these three stories. And, and uh, next week we'll be in, in the last of the three stories, but I believe God is continuing on the series, and I need to talk about one more thing before uh, we, we wrap up the series. But um, the, the thing that I want you to see here is that, that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Now, what you have to understand, the Pharisees, they saw themselves as people that have it all together. They're the religious elite of the day. They're like, man, we have everything worked out. We know how we're supposed to dress. We know we're supposed to go to church on Sunday. And like, we know all the steps that we're supposed to take to have a right relationship with God. We're just supposed to do this stuff. And if we do this, then we're right with God. God gave us a list of rules. If we follow those rules, truly to goodness, then that's all we got to do, right? 
I mean, that's it. We just follow the rules and, and we'll be good with God. Well, Jesus came to the earth to, to say that, no, there's another way. You need to understand it's not about the rules, it's about the heart. And it's always been about the heart. And if you're just following the rules, then you're missing something. You're missing the most important part. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were missing the most important part. And I feel like in America today, in the church culture of America today, that we, in a lot of ways, are missing the, the most important part. I think we're missing the heart of the matter and what Jesus says it means to have a right relationship with God. You see, if it's just a matter of following all the rules, then we can do all of those things. And the responsibility falls on us. But you and I know, as followers of Jesus Christ, that he came for the purpose of saying, it's not the rules that we follow, it's not what we do, it's what he did. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. See, a lot of people think that I, just, I go to church on Sunday. That's what I, it's Sunday morning, that's what you do. If you live in Oxford, Alabama, Jacksonville, Alabama, Anniston, Alabama, Weaver, Alabama, Alexandria, Alabama, you just go to church on Sunday mornings. That's, all the stores are closed, you can't really do anything else, you go to church. Because that's what you do. And I would say that that's the wrong mindset. It's the wrong way to think about things. If, if you really think to have a right relationship with God that you go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, you got it all wrong. Do you know why we come here? Do you have any clue why we come here on Sundays? Some people would say, well, we come, Kenny, because we want to worship God. God inherits the praises of his, inhabits the praises of his people, so we come here to worship God. So what you do on Sunday mornings, you worship God. He deserves our worship, so we come here. And I would say, that's partially true. That's partially the reason why we come here. Some would say, well, we come here because we need to fellowship with other believers. We need to be close to other people that believe like we do so that we can lean on each other in times of trouble, in times of heartache. We have each other to, to, to lean on, right? So that's the reason we come on Sundays. And I would say that's partially it. Somebody would say, oh, I know what it is. It must be about the book. It's, it's all about the book, right? We're always talking about the Word of God. It must be so that we can come and we can hear about God's Word and we, we, can, we can learn more about God. That's the reason, right? I would say that's partially true. Do you know why we come on Sunday mornings? We got a sign. I'll show you the sign. The sign says reach. It's one of the three pillars, if you will, of Simple Church. Reach, teach, and serve. This sign says reach. And the reason we come on Sunday mornings is for this purpose. Yes, we want you to, to learn about God's Word. Yes, we want you to worship Jesus. Yes, we want you to to uh, understand more about his word and fellowship with other believers. Yes, we want those things, and those things are great. Don't get me wrong. But the purpose of you learning all that stuff and worshiping God and all of that is so that you can go out and reach somebody with this good news. So that it doesn't just stay with you. That when you come in here on Wednesday, it's not so you can get filled up to meet the rest of the week. It's so that you can get filled up with God's word to go and tell somebody else about it. To tell them the good news. The, the, these, these messages are not copyrighted. You can go and you take every single word if you want to and copy every single one of them and tell somebody else because it's important. It's the most important thing. That's why we got it first in the list of our, our pillars of Simple Church. Reach, teach, and serve. That's why it's number one in the list. See, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe. Those other things... Those other things, worshiping God, fellowship with other believers, learning about God, those are about you. Those are about you. When you become a believer, it becomes about everybody else. 
When you become a Christ follower, it immediately changes the, the focus shifts from you to you taking the word to somebody else so that they can experience what you have experienced in Christ. That's what it's about. Let me, let me get this straight. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, it is about you, okay? It's about you understanding Jesus. It's about you growing close to Jesus. It's about other believers being there to help you and show you the way to Jesus. It's all about that. So it's all about you if you're not a Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower, it stopped being about you once you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Now it's all about him and reaching other people for his kingdom and his glory. Because you said, God, I want you to get glory through my life, so whatever it takes for that to happen, that's what I want to happen. I know, like, everybody's like, you're never going to get anybody to come in this church talking like that. That's okay. That's what the truth is. I don't sugarcoat or water down the truth, because that's what that book says. That's what we're supposed to do, y'all. That's why we come in here. It's not so you can go out there and feel better. That's not the reason. There's plenty of churches in America where you can come in and then you can go out there and you can feel better. And that's great, man. Go do that. But that's not what Jesus teaches. That's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches go and do the hard stuff, witness to those people that you don't want to witness to, those people that it's uncomfortable and awkward talking to. Yes, do that. But that's really hard. I don't really like that. Oh, but your life belongs to me. Well, I didn't really know that's what I was signing up for. So when you said, I'm going to take up my cross and follow you, that's not what you really meant? Y'all, that's why we come here. It's to reach other people with this good news. The same grace that you experienced, the amazing, overwhelming, unbelievable forgiveness that you experienced through Jesus Christ, it's so you can go and take that to somebody else and so they can experience the same thing. Because you love other people so much that you help them understand that, you help them understand God's love. As you're an ambassador for Christ, you're supposed to love like Christ does. See, the Pharisees had it all mixed up. They just thought they were supposed to show up for church on Sunday. That was it, man. They had to dress a certain way. I dress really nice, come to church on Sunday, and they were good. Do you really think that God is so short-sighted that he would say that? Man, if you just get dressed on Sunday and you go to church, that is it, man. That's all you got to do. That's what it means to take up your cross and follow me. You, you really think that's what Jesus would say? Standing in front of him, eye to eye with him. He said, man, that's all I really wanted from you. Just come to church on Sunday and dress up. Or would Jesus say, you know what? It's great that you dressed up. How was your heart? How was your, how was your desire to reach people for my kingdom? I think I know which one he would say. Don't you? Don't you? Well, let, let's look at what Jesus said. The very beginning of his ministry... He goes to church on Sunday. It's not on Sunday then. It's on Saturday, but we'll go into that another time. Luke chapter 4, beginning of verse 16, it says this. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. So Jesus went to church. Nothing wrong with going to church. It's good that he went to church. You know, It's good that we go to church. But that's not the heart of the issue. And stood up and read the scriptures. That's what they did in the synagogue. They read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes of the synagogue looked upon him intently. 
This was a direct confrontation to the Pharisees because Jesus says, those people, those outcasts that are poor, those people that are messed up, that feel like they have no hope, that's the ones I came to save. So if that's you, if you feel like you have no hope because you've messed up, you screwed up so much in your life that there's no hope for you, then you're the kind of person Jesus came to save. Now, if you think that you've got it all together and you've got it all worked out and you dress nice on Sunday and that's the only thing that your heart is about, then you got it all wrong. Jesus came to save you, but you're missing it. You're missing it. You've thought the wrong thing for too long. It's not about that. It's about the heart. You have to be willing to accept the truth. To look at yourself honestly and say, what am I on the inside? Who cares what I look like on the outside? What am I on the inside? See, this was a direct confrontation to the Pharisees because they liked the way they looked on the outside. It looked really good. And they, and they would act a certain way. Man, they would fast and do all this kind of stuff. They would say these big elaborate prayers so they could be revered by men and not by God. And it was about how they looked. And that's what they cared about. Because that's really easy to do. See, it's really easy to deal with the outside. It's really, really hard to deal with the inside, isn't it? It's really, really hard to deal with the inside. When Jesus said, you know, those poor people that you think can never have a relationship with God because they have no hope, they're too filthy, they're too nasty, you know, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners, all those people, Jesus is doing a direct confrontation to the Pharisees saying, those people you don't want to have anything to do with, those are the people I came to save. It's not you and your self-righteous attitude. Jesus said, that's the whole reason I'm here is for those people that think they have no hope. Man, that's such good for me. It's such good news for me because I, there have been so many times in my life where I feel like I've broken the heart of God so much that there's no way he could love anybody like me. There's no possible way that he could love a filthy, nasty, wretched person like I am. There's no possible way that I would even deserve any kind of love at all. You see, that, that's the whole thing. See, humans, we recognize what it means when, when, when somebody hurts us or when we hurt somebody else, what, how do we respond? With bitterness? We, we, we get angry. We don't treat them the same way. We treat them a different way. We look down on them. Right? Isn't that the way we react? So we assume that God must act the same way. If we do things to break His heart, then shouldn't He have bitterness towards us? Shouldn't He have, have some sort of animosity towards us where He shuns us and, and says, you're not good enough, you don't deserve me? And God says, but I'm not that way. See, God, He is so much love. He is love. It's not what He does, it's who He is. God is love. The kind of love that you and I can't comprehend or understand, that's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of love He pours out on us, a love that we don't deserve, an undeserved kind of love. And this flew in the face of everything the Pharisees thought. So when we look at this passage in Luke chapter 15, we have to understand who Jesus is talking to. And he's already talked to, talked to them about this, uh, this sheep that's gone astray. And he puts them in, in, the, in the place of a shepherd. Right? He says, okay, suppose you were a shepherd, or, or wouldn't a shepherd do this? So he's basically placing them in the story, and the Pharisees didn't like shepherds. They were considered nasty and dumb and really didn't get it, and there's no way that they could have a right relationship with God. So they didn't like the, the shepherds. And he talks about a sheep. 
And a sheep is pretty dumb. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I feel pretty dumb in the face of God, right? Like, man, I feel like an idiot most days, especially coming up here on Sundays. I'm like, man, you should have picked somebody else. I feel pretty dumb most days. Well, sheep are dumb. Well, Jesus takes it to the next level. You know what's dumber than a sheep? A coin. A coin's pretty dumb, isn't it? Can't breathe in, can't breathe out. It can't snore, can't hiccup, can't burp, nothing. I mean, like, sheep are pretty dumb, but, but, but a coin's even dumber. So Jesus talks about a coin. And then he says, suppose you're a woman with some coins. Pharisees, the only thing they would have hated worse than being uh, a shepherd would have been being a woman. That was just their mentality, okay? They figured women were less than, lower than, had no, 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 no value in the eyes of God. So it was just the men that really were called to do things for God. And that's the way they looked at it. Well, Jesus turns everything on his head and he starts talking about a coin and a woman. In Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 8, it says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Now this, most likely, is a reference to a dowry. Now that's one of those big ancient terms. It just means some money that was given to the husband when he married this woman. Okay, um, It was a way in ancient times for them... You know, we, we talked about... Jacob's family and how we talked about how they you had inheritance that would go to the oldest son and, and the sons kind of typically got more in general when it came to inheritance. This was a way of pouring some money into the, the girls, okay? So it was a way to kind of distribute money. Now it got originally kind of messed up because it was originally supposed to be the man paying the, the dad for the, the girl and which is messed up in 10 kind of ways, but we, we won't go into that today. But anyway, so that was originally what it was supposed to be. Over time, it got kind of turned around, and it was actually money that went to the husband when he married the wife. So this more than likely would have been her dowry. This would have been the money that was supposed to go to her future husband more than likely. So these were precious coins to her. These were important, valuable coins to her. And he says, suppose you're a woman with a dowry, and, and, and you lose one of the coins. This, this is a promise of a husband one day. It's what these coins represent. And, and you lose one. Suppose you're in that situation. Now, the Pharisees would have understood money, right? Like most of us understand money. If they didn't understand being a shepherd and losing a sheep, they'll at least understand money, right? So you and I know about losing money and how difficult that is, and that stinks, right? And there's nothing better than found money, right? Like so uh, it, you find that $20 bill you'd stuffed in your Bible because you forgot to put it in the offering plate. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's nothing better than found money. You're like, man, yes, the Lord has spoken. He has given me $20. This is amazing. Yes, I'm thrilled to death by this, this found money. So the Pharisees didn't understand being a shepherd. They at least understand money. So Jesus is speaking to them on their level. And he says, suppose you lose one of your 10 silver coins. What are you going to do? He says, well, this, this, this woman, she's going to sweep the house and look all over it. Over for it. She's going to tear the house apart looking for this one coin. She only had ten. She lost one. So this is a big deal. What is this? What is Jesus talking about here? What is he saying to you and I? He's saying it's a big deal when one is lost. It's an extremely big deal to the kingdom of God when just one is lost. 
Just like we saw the shepherd going and leaving the 99 to go after the one before, this is a single coin that is lost. And the thing I want you to take away from this is that the coin has value. The one coin has value. Every single person in this world has value to God. And people are missing that all the time. I'm not even worthy to go in that church, man. There's no way I could walk in there. I'll, I'll burst into flames. All the things that I've done, all the things that were against God that I've done. There's no way I deserve to go in there. When people talk to you about God's love and how forgiving God is, you go, man, that's great for you, but that don't really apply to me. See, I've done too much. I've gone too far. There's no way that God could love me. Let me tell you something. God not only loves you, He pursues you. The, the, the grace that you don't feel like you're deserving of, that's exactly the kind of grace He pours out on us. That's exactly the kind of grace He wants to us to experience. The kind of love that is so completely undeserved. You know why? Because we have value to God. That God cares about every single soul. Which I, I know that what we think in our minds is that like, He's an infinite God. He doesn't exist in space and time like we do. Like He exists in the past, the present, and the future all at one time. And He's bigger than the, the entire universe that we can even contemplate in our mind. He's, he's, he's a million times bigger than that. And I'm just this one speck of dust on the earth. Why would God even care about me? I hope you see from this passage that every single one of us is important to God. Every single one of us has value to God. So much so that He knows your name and He knows how many hairs are on your head. Every single one of them. He has every single person's name in his mind and in his heart, and he cares about all of them. And we feel so insignificant. We, we look at a passage like John 3.16 and say that, that Jesus came for everyone. And yes, that's true, but I think that when we put ourselves in a group, we forget that we're part of that everyone. See, Jesus not only came to die for everyone, but he came to die for someone, and that someone is you. Because every single one of them is valuable. Now let's think about this coin for just a minute. A silver coin, it has value, doesn't it? It doesn't matter if, how dirty it is. It doesn't matter if it's been swept under the baseboard and it's all crusty with graham crackers and all that kind of stuff. It, is, it still has value. You can still pick it up, clean it off, and it's still like it was before, right? If I were to take a $100 bill... Roll it up, soak it in water, throw it out in a parking lot, and you run over it 10 times to your car, that $100 bill would still have value, wouldn't it? I don't think there's anybody in here who would say, no, don't give me that $100 bill. It's too dirty. It's too nasty. I don't want that. Would you? You would say, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> They'll take it at the bank. They'll give me a new one. See, each and every one of us has value. No matter how crinkled up, rolled up, crunched up, how many times you've been run over, how dirty you are, how filthy you are, how many baseboards you've been swept under, you have value. And you have value to God. Listen to me carefully when I say this. You are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. 
You are valuable to God. You see, He doesn't look at the the dirt and the grime and the dust and the filthiness and the nastiness. He just sees a coin that's precious. And, and, And He could just say, you know what, coin? Come to me. I'll make you clean. I'll, make, I'll wash you off and I'll make, you, I'll make you new again. He could say that. But Jesus goes a step further in these parables and he talks about going and finding the coin. Taking action to search out the coin and find the coin and sweeping the whole house and tearing it apart. Well, what action did God take for us. So, I mean, like, like he could have just said, well, y'all just come to me and I'll make you clean again and I'll make you new. No, he took action. And how did he do that? He did that through his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his one and only son. Sent. Do you realize the value of that word? He sent. He didn't just sit back and say, it's okay, you're all forgiven. No, he said, I'm coming to pursue them to forgive them. They don't even know that they're lost. They're just a coin stuck in the corner. They're just a sheep that's run off. They don't even recognize it, but I recognize it, and I know, so I'm coming after them. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God who not just is a, has a characteristic of love, but is so characterized by love that He is love. That's our God. You have value. To God. He did something about it. He pursued you. He chased you down through his son Jesus Christ and said, You know what? They don't even know they're lost. But I know they're lost. And because I'm a saving God, I want to save them and I'm going to send a Savior. That's what's going to happen. But look what happens. Look what happens when, when a coin's found. Verse 9, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Can you believe that, that God would rejoice, that the angels in heaven, that a host of heavenly angels would rejoice When just one coin is found, when one lost sheep is found, when one sinner repents, when one dirty, filthy, nasty person comes to God and says, God, through your son Jesus Christ, you have pursued me. I accept your pursuit, and I'm willing to to allow you to change me, God. Whatever it takes, you're the most important thing in my life. And there's there's a word here, and it's the last word in the passage. Repents. When one sinner repents. You mean there's a, a portion of it that belongs to me? There's a responsibility on my part? I have to, to do something in response to God's pursuit? Yes. Yes, when God comes in and wrecks your life, changes your heart, gives you a new heart, you have to respond to that by doing this word, this, 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 this big churchy word called repents. And all that means is to simply turn. When you give up everything and when you allow God to to, to cut off all the old and all the the wretched, nasty filthiness and make you new and you just turn back towards God and become the original creation that He made, you, you you just be who I created you to be. 
That's that word repents. That's what it means to just turn, to simply turn. To turn towards God. He, he, he chases you. He pursues you. You can continue to run the other way. You continue to run away from God. You can continue to be a lost sheep. And when, when the shepherd comes, you just run away from him. And there's some people that do that. And it breaks my heart because I know who they are. Don't be one of them. Just repent and turn to it back towards God. And say, God, put me on your neck like the shepherd put the sheep on his, on his neck. And, and you carry my burdens now. You carry all my shame. You wash away all the filthiness and nastiness. And you make me clean through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk more about this word, repent, next week. But let me tell you this. God sent his one and only son to die for everyone. But he also sent his one and only son to die for someone. And that someone is you. That someone is all the people that are sitting in this room, in these red chairs, and, and also all the people that are out there that don't think they're worthy to come in here. That, that don't think that they, they deserve any hope. That think they don't deserve any grace because of all the things that they've done. That, that's why we gotta, That's why we got to do this. That's why we got to do this. If you've received that grace, if you've received that loving, merciful grace that you didn't deserve, then you got to go tell somebody. You got to reach them with this good news. You got to let them know that, 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 that the fact that they feel unworthy is exactly the reason they should come in here. That, that, that when Jesus started his ministry, he read from Isaiah and said, All the people that don't feel like they're, they're worthy, that's the people I came to save. We got to take this out there. We can't leave it in here. We can't leave it in here. I hope you see that you are valuable, that you are loved and pursued by God, that He's the one that makes you new, that you have a responsibility to repent and turn towards God. Now let me tell you something. Repentance is not something that happens one time. It's a constant thing because you're going to continue to do things that break God's heart. Until we shed this flesh, until we get a brand new, new body and all of that, until that day happens, you're still going to fight against sin. You're still going to fight against the desires of the flesh. You've got you to wage war against those things. But repentance is a continual thing. It's a thing that we do over and over and over again. We come and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm not being that original creation that you made me to be. And there's some people that never said that for the very first time. Some people had never said, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to constantly come and turn towards you. And if I ever get off the path, God, I just want you to, to show me that. Use your Holy Spirit, God, to, to correct me and mold me and shape me back into that original creation so I can be back on that path that you set before me. When you, when you, when you come in repentance that very first time and say, God, please, Lord, save me. Rescue me. Take me away from this, this life that I'm in. God, rescue my soul. And then you constantly, as you veer off the path from time to time, you ask and say, God, please, God, get me back onto that path. I need you, and through the power of you and your Holy Spirit, God, that's the only way it's going to happen. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted His pursuit, I invite you to come today and, and say, Jesus, I accept your pursuit I, 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 I'm responding, I'm turning away from my life and turning towards you. Carry me back to your flock. 
Put me on your shoulders, Lord. Carry me back to your flock, and I'm going to do everything I can, God, to, to reach other ones, others that are lost out there. Do everything I can to bring you glory with my life as I continue to pursue you. You're invited to do that. If you feel nasty and, and unworthy and, and like you don't deserve God, come and ask Him. I promise you, He'll, he'll, he'll forgive you. It's the whole reason His Son came. If you're a Christ follower, but you still feel nasty and you've done some stuff to break the heart of God and you just want Him to forgive you, repent. Repent. Turn to God and say, God, I just want to be like you created me to be. Repent. Let me pray. Father, thank you. God, for seeing value in me. Even though it's value, I can't see it myself. Lord, I desire to bring you glory. And the only way I can do that is by turning to you. Father, there are people in this place that they don't feel like they're deserving of your grace. But I know that you know them personally. I know that you know the hairs in their head. And God, you know their heart. No matter whether they dress up on Sunday mornings or not, and they just come to church just to check a box because everybody else goes to church on Sunday morning. I know, God, that you can use all those, those wrong motives for a right purpose, and that is to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, God, I pray that you pursue those people in their hearts. God, I pray that their heart pounds out of their chest until they turn towards you and they repent and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to wash me clean, and only by the power of your cross can that happen. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would repent today, that they would turn towards you today. God, that you would rescue their soul because they are valuable to you, so much so that you rejoice in heaven as a result. That they would walk in obedience to you and they would follow through in believers' baptism. That's what I pray for. For the lost coin and the lost sheep that is within the sound of my voice, Lord Jesus. And then for those that are Christ followers, those who have committed to taking up their cross, I pray that they've been challenged today to go out and reach a lost and dying world. Lord, to show them that there's grace and mercy available for them and that they have value. God, that's what you called us to do, to be your ambassador. So I pray that we do that. And if we strayed off the path that you've set before us, Lord Jesus, I pray, I pray that we, we repent, we ask for your forgiveness, and we ask you to continue to instruct us and renew us, to wash us clean. Lord, however we're supposed to respond, I pray that we would do it in obedience to you. We wouldn't be watered down, washed out Christians, God, but we would be sold out followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, draw us to your cross. Draw us to your mercy and your grace. And receive glory right now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand?